Today we welcome Scott Sandlin onto the pod. At 58 years old, Scott is one of the most accomplished Minnesotans in our hockey-rich state. As a player, his teams made the state tournament to the NCAA Frozen Four and a Calder Cup Finals. A second round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, he played seven years pro before an illustrious coaching career that includes five NCAA titles, two as an assistant and three as a head coach. Scott has coached two Hobie Bake winners and has won a Spencer Penrose Award as the nation's top coach. On top of all that, he's a husband and father of two great kids, Ryan and Katie. Welcome to the pod, Scott Sandlin. How you great. doing, boss? I'm doing great. Great to, great to be here. You know, have you ever heard of the term rabbit hole before? You go down a rabbit hole? When I was doing research on you, it was a rabbit hotel. It just, there was so many doors and so many entrances and so much there. It was uh, pretty fun to, to learn a lot about you before we got here today. The only rabbit hole I know is when I'm shooting them, right? So they're <laughs> waiting for them to come out. But uh, no, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously, uh, hockey's been great. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've had a lot of great experiences and, and certainly uh, playing and, and now coaching and Still hard to believe I'm I'm still uh, I'm still coaching here at UMD. <laughs> still at it. Well, you, you grew up not far from here in Hibbing. Uh, we're here in in Duluth. Um, you grew up in Hibbing. What was that like? How many siblings did you have? What was what was the culture like growing up in Hibbing? Uh, I've got uh, two. Uh, I have an older brother. Uh, I grew up in a basketball family. Believe it or really? not, really. My dad was okay. a basketball guy over in Coleraine, and. Uh, my brother was also basketball, uh, along with football and baseball. But uh, you know, the reason I probably got into hockey is because all I grew up in a neighborhood with all the guys that played hockey. So I tried basketball. I wasn't very good at it. So, so. who were those guys? I mean, I looked at your '82 team, so I can imagine mm-hmm. some of them. But it's a kind of a big area. You said some guys grew up on a different mm-hmm. side of town. Who who are some of those guys in your neighborhood? Uh, in our neighborhood, we were we lived in Courthouse Edition, and there was Brooklyn. So um, they were. Brooklyn was kind of the bad side of town, you know, but uh, no, a lot of good guys. Mike Meadows, Mike played at, uh, at Minnesota way back. I graduated with his brother, Mark, John Reuter, uh, Richard Girardi, uh, Craig Sturl, Steve Bobin. Like we just had 10 or 12 guys, you know, and younger brothers of those guys too, that we did everything together. So we grew up in a, I call it a traditional neighborhood. Like now you see everybody so spread out and, right. and uh, you know, we just, we did everything. It was we caused trouble together. We, you know, we played every sport, you know, we hunted, we, it was just a great time to grow up. And I was very fortunate to have a lot of great friends, older and younger. Um, the older guys taught us some things and, yeah. and, and from the hockey side, we had an outdoor rink a half block away. So we spent a lot of time there. All right. So I've been to Hibbing several times. I know the area, uh, tell people how beautiful the high school that you attended. I mean, this is the probably one of the nicest physical structures you will ever see in the country. What 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 mm. transfer how did that happen? I don't know. It, it was and and I think if you go there now, you, you know, people won't remember the football stadium was attached to it. Now it's uh, they built a pool and it's right next to the Blessed Sacrament Church, but that was a great football stadium too with the the cinder track, but uh just uh I know it's pretty well known for the auditorium and yeah, it's amazing. Uh, but, uh, it's amazing that that building is still uh, in the shape it is because it's it's certainly a, a great building. It's you know, and obviously the memorial building. We'll get to that in just a second. But like the the entire facility was 
funded by the mines to get people to come there and work there, whatever. Did your dad, did your family work in the mines, or did you see the mines as, as, a, as a way to, uh, to make a living? Yeah, my dad did. He, uh, he worked at Evel Attack, um, like everybody up there. Um, I think uh, I know my brother did in the summer. Uh, that was their summer employment. Uh, so those guys, uh, that's, that's where they all started. And, you know, I didn't have that luxury. Um, you know, the mining was still good back then when I was growing up, but, uh, you know, I didn't have to, I worked at, at Range Corners and Roofing, so I got, I wouldn't say it's a cush job, but I had a pretty good job. Comparatively, uh, but yeah. But that was, that was the big thing, and, you know, it's it's kind of sad to see, you know, when you know how uh, the, the uh, economy was thriving and, and just the the mines were, were going the way they were back then and to kind of see it bounce around and, you know, it's still nice to see them going, but it's nothing like it used to be. And I think, you know, that's why you kind of see up in that whole Hibbing and the range area, just, uh, you know, there's not a lot of numbers anymore. And it's 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 kind of sad for me to see that, but uh, there's still a lot of good people up there. Their youth program's having a little bit of a rebound right now. They've had about two or three good years in a row, mm-hmm. and hopefully they can continue that rolling because we need strong 218 hockey to for everybody. Your program, everybody needs that for for the traditions to continue. Yeah, and, you know, again, I think back to when I grew up, we were pretty lucky there, and Range Conference was pretty strong, and, you know, a lot of great players uh, that helped us get better, and um, finally we got a chance to, you know, get to the state tournament because we were tired of watching Grand Rapids win all the time, but what a strong, strong program. Yeah, from 74 to 81, it was like, I think they made it almost every year from from that, and then when you guys broke through in 82. Let's yeah. Before we get to that, let's go to 73. Uh, you were probably nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. Um, was this a big deal for you as a nine-year-old to watch, the, you know, the guys from your hood going to the state tournament? Or was – I don't even know if it was on TV. Was it on TV yet? Um, I don't think it was. But I know they got through the back door, the old back Did door. Did they really? Yes, and I think Oh, that my was, God. Uh, and they won state to the back up, door, too. ended up winning. So uh, just knowing some of the some of the guys on there, obviously the Nicolettis and, you know, Perpiches, uh it was pretty pretty great. And, you know, when you go on that Hipping Memorial Building to see that kind of being, you know, the first state championship up there, um, you know, you think back. And don't I don't recall it tremendously well as a young kid, but okay. uh, just you know uh, how much it meant to all those people in our community at the time. Yeah, so walk through that. Did, did that inspire a little more kids to play hockey um, and that kind of thing? I think so. You know, we also had the Hibbing Junior College. Frank, yeah. Frank Catani was there and coaching and did an unbelievable job. So we what, did like the Cardinals <laughs> or something like that? The Cardinals, yeah. yeah. There was a lot, of, a lot of afternoons watching those guys. And, uh, you know, so there was there was all of that, right? And and I think, uh, you know, it, it is kind of a hockey community. But, you know, yeah, uh, they like all their sports up there. And obviously, obviously basketball is another one and baseball. But, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think it, it, it helped uh, – more kids get involved in the game, and and obviously uh, we ended up uh, at least getting there and having a chance. Uh, kind of opened the door a little bit for some of the other programs down the road. So your neighbor, you know, in in Hibbing, you had obviously uh, Kevin McHale, Joe, and Don McGillette were kind of paving the path to to Division One sports. Were they kind of inspirations to you, as a, or was it were you kind of all built in? Um, I think when you see. You know, when you're a young kid, I think you always looked up to those guys, right? I right. think that's that's the one thing, no matter when I was a young kid, it was always who's on the high school team or even, like I said, even the junior college team. Right. Like we, we had that option because there were some really, you know, good players at the time. Jay Caulfield, 
Yeah. Uh, not to go ahead, but he played their football and played hockey and then ended up at UND. North Dakota and yeah. obviously his career with Pittsburgh. But, uh, you know, I think, I think all those guys uh, were role models. And I, I think, you know, we never, you know, we followed, you know, we watched the pro guys, but, you know, it was kind of more of who's in the now and those guys were, were, were big role models. Well, I tell people all the time, like, you only really knew it was in your neighborhood or, you know, or in your conference because there wasn't a lot of television coverage. There wasn't, you know, you get your state tournament and that was it. Right. But the other 51 weeks, you didn't really know who was any good. Yeah, it's not like it is today where no. <laughs> you can get a lot of stuff. It's, uh, and you did. You, and I think that, that that was a big factor too. Like we just kind of did our thing and, you know, supported our teams. And obviously uh, you watch pro sports and um, I just, uh, I just think, I still remember every Saturday if, I wasn't playing, you know, CBC Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. So you always watch that game and obviously a few games on NBC. But, um, you know, it was it was a fun time growing up. I miss, I can imagine growing up and having you're probably like ninth, 10th grade, and here's Kevin McHale playing for the Boston Celtics. Like, that had to be pretty cool. Yeah, it was. And, and getting to know him, uh, you know, after I got out of college uh, as well, playing golf with him uh, in the summers when I was playing pro hockey, uh um, that was, that was pretty cool. Like, uh, he, you know, to, to think of, uh, you know, where he came from, kind of this tall gangly guy that had the career he did and obviously winning championships there, but he's an unbelievable person, you know, and again, I think that's one thing I'll always remember. He always had the time. Um, we, we joked around a lot and like I told you before, he always kind of told me I was playing the wrong sport because I missed duck hunting season because he, yeah. he loved to hunt. But uh, just, a, just a good man and, and still comes back there. And um, he's got a pretty good golf game, too. I believe it. Clubs are a little longer. but <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. All right. Uh, I want to get to your coaching career, but mm-hmm. I got to get to this 82 team mm-hmm. um, that makes it to states. Uh, first time, nine years. Uh, I was looking through the records, and I saw this Virginia game. In the semis <laughs> over an Evelet. There's two things I want to tell you. You, be, you beat them in overtime. I'm guessing you were one of the favorites to go to state because of just looking at your roster, I'm like, that's got to be one of the favorites to go. And Virginia, I looked at their roster. It was good, but it wasn't as great. So were they? did they kind of overachieve in that game to get it to overtime? Well, I don't know. Every game was tough in that, you know, conference. But, yeah, we were certainly the favorites. I think, you know, if you look at our roster, we had four guys that get drafted off that team uh, yeah. in the NHL back in the 12-round days. But uh, it was tight, you know. And, again, that's playoff hockey. But I still remember my neighbor, John Ruder, <laughs> scoring the big goal. And, you know, and we kind of escaped and, and carried that into the final game against Grand Rapids, which uh, – Which was played in your home barn. How does this uh, work? How does this work? That was phenomenal, but that's how the section. That's how the sections. Were it should back be. Then. It's the best barn in the range. It's the best barn in the in the state. It was, and you got people hanging from the rafters, and then. But that's how all the section finals were back when they played at Hibbing, and obviously we were in this one. Yeah. Um. So it was. Uh, it was extra special to to win, but I still remember uh, that game. I think we were we weren't playing very well, and you know we decided to not let Coach Perpich and Coach Olson in right away. So we really, had a team meeting and. And I still remember uh, Coach Olson not being too happy about that. Uh, George was just a – you love George. But we finally had him in, and then we ended up coming back and, and winning the game. So they were all happy about that. But I don't think they were They too were happy, happy of – No, we had to straighten some things out with, with just with the team before with we had the – 
coaches coming in and who is going to move the puck all that. So, and then, and that just quick, you know, I, I just, I know the, the, uh, Gary and Greg Hooper twins are very well remembered. Obviously Mickey Krapatichi, we went to UND with Pat McAletti. I mean, that's just, that's lightning in a bottle right there up front. Yeah. They were pretty good. Our power play was about 45%. So <laughs> I just had the luxury of just moving it to those guys, but no, you know what? They were all great players. Uh, both Hoopers went to Illinois, Chicago yep. and Mickey went to North Dakota and obviously Pat had a great career at Minnesota, but it was kind of fun. I just had to go up there and shoot a couple pucks or pass it. And next thing you know, I'll pick up a point, but they were, they were phenomenal. They, they played very well off each other and, and the power play uh, was was as good as anybody's. I was you'll like this story. I was at the Memorial Building running a tournament for two winters, and the Met Gary was driving the Zam or working the building. And Scotty Pernovich and a couple of buddies were in high school at the time, and they were walking through the lobby. I'm like, "Do you guys have any idea who that is?" And like, "Well, that's Mr. Hooper." I'm like, "Do you know who he was?" And like, "No, he was he was a player here, and he was a really good player." And they had no idea. I know it's funny, isn't it? They just no clue, no clue. Here I am, Mister Nerd. I'm like the Hooper twins. They were, yeah. you know, I was probably their age, ninth <laughs> grade, when they were seniors in high school. Yeah, it's pretty they cool. Were, they were good, you know. A couple injuries for for those guys, unfortunately. But um, yep, it's it's fun to go back there and see them, and um, you know, I still have a tough time telling which one's which because uh, it's hard. I think one of them has the scar, and I'm trying to remember if that was Gary or Greg, but that was – it didn't matter. They were both uh, they were both great to, to be around and talk to, and it's it's fun going back to see them. And then last thing on the Memorial Building, do you, did you realize that that was the nicest barn in the state, or was it just kind of home to you? Just kind of home, but I like what they've done to it now, too. Yeah, I it's mean, gorgeous. Obviously, that was pretty unique back when I played with, you know, where they dumped the, the snow at the – at the end uh, yeah. before you know, they park it under the little garage there. And, yeah. you know, now they've kind of changed that up and, and, and fixed it up. But, you know, you, you know, in the summer they, they take out the boards and it'd be Olympic size rinks. So really, um, they were pretty firm because the concrete's right against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Skated, you know, when we skated there, they would, we could skate on the Olympic size rinks. So just a, just a great barn, a lot of history. I mean, that, that was, there was a lot of fun places to play in the Iron Range. Greenway was great. Green yeah. Olympics was great. International Falls. Uh, we talked about the Hippodrome, you know, the small building. But so we were pretty lucky to, to get an opportunity to play in all those rinks with all the history uh, up there in the Iron Range Conference in the north. You'll like this one. We were playing. I was Southwest guy. We played up at Greenway on Friday and Rapids on Saturday. And I was JV. It was like my freshman or sophomore year. I'll never forget that they said, there's a Ford, a gray Ford <laughs> F-150 with its lights on. I swear to you, 55 people got yeah, up got, and went out to the parking lot. I'm yeah. like, we are yeah. on the range now. Yeah, that's a fun. Great ice there, too. You yeah. Know, um, really fun place yeah, to play. All right, uh, so you're a second-round draft pick for Montreal. Um, I'm sure a lot of schools were looking for your services to college. How did you land on UND, and what was that recruitment process like today as a player? Compare that as a player and look at what you do today as a coach. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess – I guess there was a few. I mean, there was a lot of Eastern schools. I didn't really have an interest in. I know Tim Taylor, uh, yep. the late Tim Taylor, uh, recruited me pretty hard to go out out east and uh, amongst a couple other schools. But I just, you know, I grew up watching the WCHA, wanted to play closer to home um, and be in that league because I thought it was the best league uh, 
I had a really, really good visit to Northern Michigan when, when Rick Comley and Walt Kyle were there. And um, you know, the rules are different because I was there. I think my visit was during uh, North Dakota's Frozen Four uh, run. run and, yeah. and, and their win. And I'm 82. Like, you know, yeah. So, you know, now it's a dead period, so you can't really do that. But I uh, had a good visit there. And obviously, um, you know, UMD. You know, UMD was the first school to offer me. Um, obviously, Mike uh, and Gus. Gus was coaching. Uh, and so. so would that have been a turnoff to come here because they were so loaded? Or was that a – did you really uh, want to – I mean, because they were no, so was, good. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I, I like Mike. Uh, I knew Gus a little bit. Obviously, they were, you know, in high school before they came over here. But, uh, you know, Surdy actually took over the next year. Right. Um, and I, I still joke with him. I said, ah, you got a pretty good number five in Norm McIver. <laughs> Be fine, <laughs> right. Not for me. Right. But, no, but for me it was you know Dean Blaze uh, is where my relationship started, just like with 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 Mike. But Dean's Dean's relationship with me, he recruited me, you know, quite heavily. Um, built a great relationship with him, um, so it was it was kind of easy. I won't say it was easy. It was it was easy because um, I I don't know probably because I was afraid of Blazer. That's why, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, just getting to know Gino and, and actually uh, John Marks came on the staff yeah. too my first year. So I was pretty blessed when I went there. But um, all four were there. All three were there the entire time you were there. Yeah, and Kerry Eads. And, and came in Kerry last year. actually got hurt, so he was our grad assistant. So I had a great coaching staff, but I don't think I could have gone wrong. It was just, uh, you know, what it was a great place. Uh, but, you know, I didn't make that decision until really late. And, you know, didn't know if Craig Ludwig was going there. But this is when, you know, Phil was coming out. Yeah. You know, we're – Phil, I thought if Phil goes to college, he's probably going to Minnesota. But, you know, right. he jumps right to pro. But, you know, Tony Kellen, there was a lot of great defensemen that were recruited by. And they were a the lot schools. of the same so, type of, I mean, all those guys are very similar yeah. players. And there's no social media back then. No. Right? So you don't know. Like, yeah. So you're kind of guessing. But, you know, I went in there that year. Jay Ness uh, was a freshman. From Roseau. Um, Glenn Klotz and Tim Loban. We had four freshmen D, which, again, I didn't know that till you get there, right? Yeah. So. Um, but no, I was great. Um, loved the staff. Uh, I did like the school. Um, what did you study you know, when you were there? I st- believe it or not, I started to go. I was going to be an accountant until I took the first accounting class. <laughs> then I went into management. And I ended up with a marketing degree. So uh, the reason I asked you that is uh, Derek Plant, and this we'll get to this later a little bit further. But Derek Plant and I did a pod a couple years ago, and he calls you the drill master. He says you have if you printed off all the drills <laughs> that are in your head that you would run out of paper the, the the office would run out of paper because you get so many drills up in your head and what that tells what he's telling me there is inadvertently yeah. saying you're a really smart guy you got a lot going on in in your in your nugget up there did that or i'm also, dumb for not writing them all down right <laughs> that's true but did that translate to the classroom too did you do well in school or was that something that wasn't as interesting uh i had to work at it you know uh my roommate Brian Williams was the quick-witted guy, right? He'd study for an hour and then he'd yeah go ace a test, and I'd study for three and he'd beat me in, and we had this competition. But no, I was good. I think I I was just over the three point two students, okay. so um, it was fine, you know. I but I did, but I had to work at it, and it didn't come super easy. Yeah. All right. So talk about a little bit about give me one little Geno scoop. What was it like? What was what was his role in mentoring you as a player and as a coach future coach but just to get you know uh, for me he was a fiery italian right but again he was a great coach i think he he had tremendous knowledge i think 
you know, f- for me, just like that whole coaching staff, you never wanted to let them down, right? You know, you just wanted to play hard for them. And, yeah. Um, you know, you learned a lot, uh, not only just on the ice, but off the ice. Um, but I was just so blessed to have him and the other three to, to, to grow as a player. Like, especially for me, I was a defenseman. So John was great for me, but you know, they all, they all helped in different ways. And, and I was very, very appreciative of that. But, you know, with, with Gino, I mean, if you look at the guys that have played for him, uh, it's that, staggering. Are, that, are, that have gone on to coaching, um, he should, he should feel very proud of that because we learned a lot from him. I was going to get to that later, but I don't want to lose it is go on to coaching, right? Um, you're starting to build a pretty nice coaching tree. Is that something you would take pride in is to have three, four or five other guys that coached under you that have gone on to coach kind of like Bob's doing with Garrett, like you've done with Brett and a few others. Um, I just like to see guys be successful, whether they're, whether it's coaching or marketing, or, right? Or players or whatever. But you know, I, I think it tells you that you're hiring the right people, the people that are good at what they're doing. Um, that get better at what they're doing and have goals to get to certain places. And uh, it's great to see Rawls doing well, right, in, in Ohio State. And, yep. you know, they've all – the thing is we've all taken different paths. Some, you know, Lars was, was here and then he went to Sioux City and then went back to college for a little bit. And then he you – know, yeah. Which I told him he never should have left anyway. But, no, it's just – it's great <laughs> to see those guys. And it's, uh, you know, uh, like Derek getting an opportunity to go on to, to be an assistant coach. And awesome. Pro and, right? uh, you know, I think – He'll do great there because that's you know he's such he's such a smart guy and you know he'll probably enjoy working with a guy like Patrick Kane so hopefully Kane's still there but, right um, but it is great it, it, it's fun to see those guys and you know um, you want to hire those those types of people that that do have goals and you know I I think it's really important that you you have those types of people that you know have that that room to grow and kind of have an idea of what they maybe want to get into. I think the, I think the thing with Derek kind of just popped up, so I think yeah. that's even better, right? So that's what happens, especially in that world. Yeah, it was good. Um, talk a little hockey at, at UND. Uh, you had come in right after they'd won a national mm-hmm. championship and then went right back to the Frozen Four in 84. I was doing a little stat uh, thing on this 84 Frozen Four. First of all, you guys beat RPI out at RPI. They were the one seed. They're like no, number one in the country, Adam I think. Oats, yeah, Koopa. right. Uh, so you beat them. And do you want to explain to some of the younger kids who might be listening what total goals was all about? It was crazy. Yeah, I remember yeah. it was. Yeah. I remember even being ten, going, "This is stupid," yeah. but didn't have anyone to complain to. But could you imagine if there was still total goals in social media, how bad that would get roasted? Uh, it would get roasted pretty good. Yeah, we still didn't understand it, but we just had to go play, right? Right, just but, do what you do, right? But, yeah, that, that series, John Casey was, was our goaltender. Yep. And I think he had about 110 stops, and I, Mike Odessa was coaching at RPI. And they I think they had won 29 in a row at home, yeah. too. So uh, I still remember uh, Mike coming in and walking right over to John and go, you were unbelievable. And we're like, yeah, he was. But, you know, we ended up staying out there. Um, because oh, yeah, it was right, four, up, right you know, up the hill, yeah. The week off like you do. Yeah. Now, so we stayed out there and then just went on to Lake Placid. So that Frozen Four, obviously the famous game, and it's the, the, the Bowling Green win over UMD in four overtimes. But uh, your game was one goal, and then the third place game was overtime. They Every game was one goal. And overtime. Sweating it out, right? Crazy. Yeah, well, unfortunately, uh, 
Bill reminds me of the winning goal <laughs> against us, uh, two to one, before they got to the Bowling Green right. game. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, it was it was pretty fun to to be a part of that, and you know, obviously where it was too, and and, and yeah, you know, didn't like the big rink so much, but it was uh, it was fun, and unfortunately, you know, it would have been nice uh, to get to that final game, but we did we did watch a little bit of it before we, Took we flew off. back and. You know, pretty special game. It, so, uh, that thing went till all hours of the yeah, night. Some pretty good players in that game. Oh, so, <laughs> it's crazy. So you're le- as you're walking out the door, in comes at UND, in comes the Hercus Circus. They were really young when you were there. Could you tell how special that was going to be before you left? Yeah, unfortunately, like, Tony came and was there for half a year, then left, uh, went to the Canadian national team, and right. then came back, like I said, after I left. and. Um, I said, well, they got rid of the, the crap and they got rid of, they got some good players. They got Eddie Belfort, Eddie came right. in, you know, and, and, and Tony had un, obviously an unbelievable year, Stevie Johnson, Bob Joyce, all those guys that were, uh, Lee. Uh, yeah, Kidder, Lee Gorn. All those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, it was great to to see them. I mean, they won 40 games the next year, right? Yeah. In 87. It was so, a crazy year. So, I don't know, I guess – Bums me out that, you know, I couldn't have seen Tony and played with Tony a little bit more. But, you know, I was fortunate to play with a lot of great players there. And, you know, 84 was as close as we got, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it was nice to see those guys uh, rebound. So go back to that staff really quick. Was was John Marks the good cop in the in that trio? Uh, define good cop. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, you talked about Gino being fiery. Obviously, you know Dean's pretty could be pretty fiery too. They were they were probably the most competitive staff I've ever been around. Starting with Gino, you know, and Dean and John and Kerry. Obviously, Kerry came in later, but they're all competitors. They all love to win. I mean, those guys would have competitions. Uh, they, you know, if we'd go run three miles, they're they want to bet. They want to bet. They're going to beat us, right? And really, between them. Uh, if we were doing the dip test, you know, they'd be in there doing it, and they'd they'd be more worried about is John going to do more, is Dean going to do more? Right? Really? So, so it got us fired up. But you know, again, they were guys. Like I said, you didn't want to let them down. They, you know, they were great people. They they pushed you. But uh, you know, a couple. You know, John's not a small guy. Dean's not a small no. guy. Um, and Gino's a small guy, but I don't, you didn't want to get him mad, right? <laughs> no. So that's what I'm saying. You wanted to play hard for those guys and and not let them down. All right, let's fast forward to your pro career. Uh, Second-round draft pick. In these in this day and age, second-round draft picks get a lot of looks at the pro level. Was Mont- was Montreal – because there was far fewer teams too, right? Yeah. So at the pro level as a second-round pick, did you have expectations of, of playing? What did Montreal tell you when they brought you in? Well, the ironic thing, I was at the state golf tournament on the putting green when the draft was going on. And Mike Hastings still tells this story because I didn't know who Mike was, and he was at Crookston. Right? Yeah. So I get I remember getting called in to the pro shop um, before the first round of the state tournament. I thought, okay, something happened at home. It was our sports writer right. from home going, hey, congratulations. I said, for what? I haven't played yet. And he goes, oh, you got drafted in the second round. I thought the draft was that night. Okay. So I didn't know. But anyway, so then I went, anybody else? No, they haven't, they haven't gone past the second round. So – Obviously, like I said later, I found out three other guys got drafted during that. In your class. So, but, uh, you know, you're getting messages, you know, uh, back in the old pink slip, right? They're under your state hotel and you got to call people and, oh, they're going to want you to go. I'm like, go where? Like, there was no, 
inkling for me to even think of, oh, I'm going to pro hockey right now. It was cool, cool to get drafted by yeah by Montreal and. Uh, but at the time, I was really focused on the golf state golf tournament, right? <laughs> and uh, but after that, you know, it was I knew I was going to college, and obviously, I had an opportunity after my junior year to sign, yeah, leave early, and again talking to my coaches and kind of similar to what I try and do with our players, just try and educate them a little bit on, you know, is it a good move? Is it not a good move? Where do you fit? Uh, and they then they gave me great advice, and I, you know, I wanted to come back and try and win. Um, yeah, and I wanted to have a good senior year, which I did, and uh, didn't win. But it was it was the smart move for me. I also graduated, so that was important. So uh, left there, and and you know, a real good mindset. So by this time, Brad's probably like a sophomore, maybe is he a year behind you or two years behind you? He was a year, year behind you. Yeah. So and I was looking at the points. So you guys were like, really had a ton of points. Each of you, Brad, do you look? For, did you, did you ever have an idea that? He kind of was a coach on the ice as well, or were, how did, who took over the leadership responsibility between the two of you? Or is there someone even more of a leader on the, those teams? Um, yeah, I mean, I think every like you know, you say it all the time. Every team has great leaders, but you know, I I think for for me, you know, I I learned under Jim Archibald. Um, yeah. Quite frankly, I was like, okay, I'll follow you. Whatever Arch right? says and goes, then, right? And then my last year, we had tri captain, so you know, I think. Um, but I also, you know, with 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 Bubs and Brad and we played together in Kalamazoo too. So, yeah. Um, and I, and you know him, like he's just, you know, he's a good person. And, and, you know, I think when you're in pro, you see a little bit more of, of that maybe than in college. And, yeah. And I think that's, was his path too. I mean, he was great, you know, number one, he's a good person. He was great with uh, the younger players. And we kind of shared a little bit of that even in Kalamazoo because, um, you know, Minnesota had some young players, young defensemen um, that, you know, Hey, can you help kind of, mentor these guys yeah and, then, and obviously brad stayed longer and played a little bit he did longer. a little bit of player coach and, didn't and he? then he i know with hitch uh he got involved uh he's kind of a player coach and you know kind of ended up where he is but he's yeah taking quite a path too yeah yeah all right so in your pro career at what point did they communicate with the with you they, they tried to sign you after your junior year obviously after your senior year you went to sherbrooke how did that all go down? What, what was what was the whole process of signing, and and did you know that's something you wanted to do? Yeah, you know, it was good. You know, obviously, I have an agent, so I didn't have one until my senior year, right? Yeah, and that's kind of how it was back then. We didn't nobody had them when they were fourteen, 14. or fifteen, and <laughs> yeah. uh, so we, you know, I ended up uh, going with Don Meehan, uh back when Don first kind of started because of Brad and Perry Barazan and guys had them. So right, I don't think that made Gino happy. He didn't like, uh, I think. Didn't like that because he had a couple other guys. But anyway, long right. story short, you know, signed. I remember driving up from Grand Forks to Winnipeg because uh, uh, they were playing in Winnipeg and signed my contract, watched the game, and drove back. And then uh, next thing you know, I was flying out there and spent the the initial part in, in Sherbrooke. And then this was the World Championship year, too. So it was 1986. Yeah. So the World Championships were over in Moscow. So – I was I was already going over there, so I played, went over to the World Championships, came back, um, wasn't part of Montreal's practice team, you know, yeah. squad, and and uh, that was the year Montreal won the cup too, right? Right. So, so that was my initial play, a few games in Sherbrooke, went to the World Championships, came back, got to go on the parade uh, in Montreal, which was pretty cool, and you know, then the next year was my first full year, which started in Sherbrooke, played a few games. Uh, 
and that was the that was the year we went to the Calder Cup final. Right. Uh, you told me before we started the interview you had six years pro, seven coaches. Mm-hmm. What did, any any of those coaches? You know, now that you're twenty plus years in as a head coach, anything you draw out of those guys from the pros? Uh, did you look that you take today, like, oh, this guy said this, and I remember that, or the way he coached a power player, way he coached a tactic or a practice. Yeah, no, and that was just minor league. <laughs> Those are the seven coaches, just the yeah, American League yeah. and IHL, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not, you know, including John Perron or Paul Holmgren, you know, and guys that I played for, in, you know, in the at the pro level. But Pat Burns, by by far, to me, was one of the one of the guys I learned a lot from. Uh, just loved. Him as a person, I think he, he he always knew where you stood. Um, I would say Paul Holmgren was another one, play more of a everyone says players coach. Yeah, yeah. But he was just he was just a again maybe I was intimidated by him, but um, just easy to talk to. You know, he always knew where you stood, and just I appreciated that, especially at that level. I think you know you don't always get that communication, um, right? And I think that was one thing going from college to pro that you hear. But you have to go through it, and some guys are better than others. But right. um, you know, going back to what I was saying to you earlier, you know, I was playing in Sherbrooke. I don't speak French. You know, sometimes it was hard to communicate. Now you made it happen. You know, obviously, but it's different, right? Yeah. So I was kind of going through that. But I think those those guys, uh, you know, I think I, Mike Eves was another one. You know, I learned some things from Mike, right? And uh, but there were some some assistants that. John Paddock's, the Kevin McCarthy's. You know, I don't want to just sit and name a couple, but from just just guys that maybe the things that I liked as a player. Um, you know, Pat for sure. You know, stands out. And, Pat Burns and and, uh, and Paul. He never played the game, right? Nope. Got a lot of good. Stories, what does that so. tell you, though? What does that tell you, like to you know to compete good, at the level student. he did, coach the levels? You know, even you look at John Cooper now, who yep. you know who's been a really successful pro coach hasn't co- haven't really played the game you know seen a lot of it yeah it's, you know, it's, guys it's are insane good students quick studies and it's a different maybe a little different perspective right and yeah you know it's the same thing there's a lot of guys that have played that you know try and coach and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it so doesn't i agree it's crazy all right uh so how did you so I, you told me a little bit before the show we, we turned this on is uh you were living in St. Paul. Your wife had a job at Fairview, right? And you kind of were like getting ready to start your career after hockey. Maybe go back and play another year. How did you get into coaching? How did did you know that was something you wanted you know, to do? Um, maybe not initially. I think when I started doing hockey camps, right, and I and I still remember doing some at North Dakota, but more more so like I, I think up in Hibbing when I was doing. I just really enjoyed working with the kids and, you know, and just trying to share, you know, things with them. And so, you know, I thought maybe, maybe that's something, you know, you want to play as long as you can. Right. And obviously my back didn't allow me to. Um, so it was a scary time. Like I spent a couple of weeks, you know, in early fall, not really knowing what I'm going to do. And then I got wind of this league and it was like, like a dial a team, right? It was like a yeah. lot of hours, but crazy story. And, you know, unfortunately that leak folded, but you know, it was a good learning lesson. And then I kind of 
followed that up with staying in it and coaching like a junior B league, uh, the Minnesota Junior Elite League, which yep. which made me want to coach more because I wasn't coaching, like say the, all the elite kids. They just right. had a kids that just had a passion to play, and and then Dean got the job at North Dakota, um, so we were living in Fargo. Um, he got the head job and called me down and said, "Hey, you want to want to come and." be my assistant and that's kind of where it started so gino i think he retired technically mm-hmm. you know and how did that interview go with dean or was it just a phone call like you're gonna get hired or did you have to go interview for that job he pretty much called me and said hey meet me in barley corn and grand forks right and so <laughs> we went meet me at the red pepper <laughs> right i probably shouldn't say this but no he just said hey you want it and i'm like yep i do want it okay you know, we had still to go through the process, but that was right, but, it. But so that was the initial, and then we had a beer, and then no, I love that. I love it. But the but the the drive from Fargo to Grand Forks it's up an hour. And did you think that was the reason you were going up there? Did he give, did he give you some idea? A, I, well, I had an inkling, but you know, he's good at doing it his way. Did he <laughs> keep it close to the vest a little bit? He he did for the most part, but. Uh, I kind of had a feeling that was what it was about, but still, you got to go through the whole process. And I kept hearing other names, right? Because this was early on, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like I kept calling him, like, "Is this going to happen?" Because yeah, he's like, "Yeah," you know. So it, it's it's like the those processes you go through, and yeah, they don't as much as you want them to happen right away. It it, it took a while, and you know, you got to go through all the paperwork and. And I I did a ton of research. I don't remember who was the other assistant he hired. That well, first year. Well, Jimmy Scanlon was Yes, there. that's was right. There for the Bemidji years, yeah. women's coach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Martin, he was with them for quite a bit. He was with Gino. Um, he was part of yes. the staff. Uh, Craig Perry was another one. Yep. Um, and then Scanny was the holdover when Gino got let go. Craig went on to do what he's doing now, I think, yep. at high school league. And, yep. Um, and then we hired, uh, after Jim left, uh, Marco Oh, Siki was there for like one, one year. year. The flood year. And that they was the won flood, it too, right? The flood year we won. That was the first yeah. one, yep. <laughs> then Mark got the job in Green Bay, um, and then Jeff Bowen was one yes. of us. So, uh, Is that any relation to Dixon? Yep, that's his dad. That's his dad. I figured, I'm like, look at former, all these names. Former teammate. You know, we played together. Yeah. Um, and uh, he came on board after after Mark left. You know, you're 58, so there's a lot of years of research to do on you here. And there's the names, the small world names that you, the paths that you've crossed, it's got to be unbelievable. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, when we first started this, hockey's been, you know, great to me, and it's given me a lot of great experiences. So when I was doing the the research here, there was, like, the, the first three years of your coaching at UND and your first three years at UMD are very, very similar. Just like a, just a slow you know, climb, you know, you got to the final four in, in 2003, 2004 here. And then the same with at UND. Did you see a parallel to that when you were, when you were at UMD in 04? Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've, I know my, my wife's heard this a lot. Like I'm so thankful to have gone through those, those experiences at North Dakota. Right. Because there are a lot of similarities. And I, I think I said this to you, you know, before that, you know, there was a few phone calls to, to Coach Blaze. <laughs> I'm just going, this is kind of, you know, but he was he was a great friend. Even, you know, he's coaching. Like, we're, we're competitors, but, you know, he was a great friend and, you know, gave me good advice to, along with. I think one of the things I really appreciated, Tony, is there was a lot of great coaches, the Jeff Sowers, the Rick Comleys, the Genos, you know, guys that have been around 
Mike Sturridge, Mike Sturridge, guys that, as a young coach, gave you time, right? And they always had time to have a cup of coffee. They always had time to have breakfast. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated when I first started coaching here at UMD, that when you go through some tough times or, um, you know, if you if you just need some advice, um, right. those guys were always there. It wasn't, oh, I'm not going to tell you anything. Right. right. Um, and that's that was greatly appreciated by a lot of those guys. You preempted one of my questions. I was going to ask you when you when you got your head job, what it was like. I mean, that we were talking about it before. All the list of coaches you had: you had Lucia, Guaz, Scotty Owens, Blazer. I mean, this was like a war chest of legendary calmly i mean this was a great list of coaches in the league and and i like how you look at you look at like as a half full like i can learn from these guys as opposed to the half empty I'm like oh my god i can never beat these guys right absolutely <laughs> i was more worried about what i had to do like you know what but i think uh you know you start learning how how good like in-game things uh whether it's line matchups just all the little things right and, and once you're in it you know you kind of learn how teams play right and that's when guys are in it a long time I, coaches don't change a whole lot, right? right? You know, they kind of adapt their style, and and uh, you know, there's not a lot of major changes, you know, and that's so you get to learn those guys. But just you know, again, it was for me, you know, the ability to to be down in Florida and just pick their brain in Naples, things. right? Yeah, it's you know, and I think that's something that I think I know. I think the hockey world is really good at. Um, but it was really, you know, it's really cool to, to to see those guys and know that they'll take time and just be a part of meetings and listening to them and just obviously watching their teams play. Did you ever get duped, like, in your first year or two at UMD, like, by a coach who, like, wait, that just happened. He just did a line switch on me or they, they changed a four check or they did something where you're like, you went back and looked and I'm like, ah, I'm never going to let that happen to me again. Do you remember, you know, something like that? Oh, like, there was probably a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, only, I know as a coach hey, myself it's seven. happened. I'm like, you know, oh, I'm yeah. never going to do that again, you know right? What? You know, we won seven games, but you know what? The, the funny thing about that is, is I still believe in you come in with a plan, right? And you know what? Yes, there are minor adjustments, but – I think one of the things I did learn early is you can't change a whole lot. Like you're still trying to get your simple message and it's the same thing today. Like I want our teams to be really good at what we do, right? You know, can can you change a few things? Yes, but that was that was part of that first year too. And we didn't you know, we could have won I think we could have won more games. I think we played well enough to win more games, you know, but we only won seven and trying to keep the guys focused, but there was a plan. There was a right. plan to, like, I want to see which kids can play the way we need to play. And that's going to take time. It's not just going to happen overnight. And it was great. I mean, some of the guys that Johnny Francisco had a, yeah. a great uh, two years with me, Judd Medic, uh, you know, I can go on and on of guys that, you know, loved uh, their their time with me. I wish we could have had a little bit more. But, but there was a lot of things that I had to learn, right, and a lot of things uh, – the one nice thing that Dean gave me when I was with him, he gave me a lot of responsibility. Right. And so whether it was watching video of other teams, you know, it wasn't just running the defenseman. I mean, he wanted different things. And I think that's the one thing that helped me grow as a coach and something I try and help do with, with my staff so that they can grow as coaches. Dean said to you that uh, just wait until you become a head coach. You'll never sleep at night. Was that true your first few years? No, actually, um, 
I was actually pretty good. You know, I was. But I think as the older I got, you know, so, but no, he was right. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's, it won't be that bad. But, you know, you're just thinking about a lot of things. It's different, right? It's not yeah. that you're not as, you know, as an assistant, but, you know, it's, it's, there's just a lot more there and, you know, you just want to make sure that you're doing the right things. All right. Uh, I want to go just going to rip through some of these uh, frozen fours that uh, you were victorious in. Uh, the 96-97 team, I remember that team was, uh, it was like a team of destiny. And they just seemed like they could not be stopped. They had so much talent up front. Uh, what, do, what are your memories of, of that victory, uh, that team? I remember the 97 Michigan team losing because they were loaded. <laughs> they were. They were loaded. They were. And again, so, again, that's that's part of the one game. NCAA tournament. Right? Yeah. So I think it gave everybody hope because that was that was Brendan Morrison and that group. Yeah. And they were they were really good. But uh, that might have know, been the best team never to win. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they were they were outstanding, and we were kind of like, okay, we're good, we got a chance now. No, <laughs> but just how hard our guys played. You know, I mean, it just we had great goaltending. Um, you know, I just still remember little David Hookstein, all five foot seven of them, just being a spark plug. Obviously, he was your leading scorer. You know, Jason Blake. Oh, I mean, those guys that, but. How did the whole. Matt, Matt Henderson being the most valuable player in the tournament, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we had good leadership. Um, guys, obviously, you know, they played hard, and that's that's how they're going to play. But it was just a fun group. It was a fun group, and, you know, I think it surprised everybody because, I don't. again, it, nobody expected it, right? Yeah. Nobody expected it. So maybe the players did, um, which is all that matters. But, you know, they got it done, and it was uh, – it was a great. It was a great thing to be a part of, and then the flood hits, right? Right. So was, yeah. We went from here to here to there. there. That was so. bad. Uh, how did the whole Jason Blake thing shake out? I mean, he just literally—you'd landed a 15-year NHLer in your lap from Ferris State. How did that? Do you remember how that all transpired? Yeah, I was. I don't remember. I don't know. know. I just I know what happened. Yeah, I think. You know, obviously, him being a Moorhead kid. So yeah, that helped. And, um, you know, certainly there's connections and. You know, being closer to home, and I think Ferris was a great spot for him because it had golf. Um, he was going into some golf management thing. And oh, okay. Had that thing, so I think that was a big reason that he chose there. But he ended up switching and and, and coming, and uh, obviously, probably one of the hardest working kids I've ever been around. Um, yeah. Wanted to kill him a couple times, but uh, <laughs> you know what? But there was that respect, and obviously, a hell of a player. You know, he's had a heck. Of, hell of a career for yeah i still remember talking to him because he he always was that undersized player where yeah maybe those guys weren't maybe as prominent as they were or not or they are now and right. uh you know it, it it made him work harder um obviously i think he always had that little chip but you know the best players have that little bit of chip right yeah um but you know what he was he the thing every day he came to work every day he came to work and it's no surprise that he ended up having the career he did what is it between so you mentioned the Hoogsteins like you guys have a great UND had a great pipeline between Thunder Bay and and UND how did that work out well you had you know you had all the Johnsons yeah right? you know <laughs> so there was there was a lot of them I, again you know I think UMB's had a really good connection there yeah. too with Norm and yeah and some of the guys obviously we've had Travis Alexic and, and Billy Axel and Ryan Fanti yeah know, so um I know Gino must have got. He, I think that Johnson family and just uh, must have uh, that must have started it. Yeah, you know, and obviously it's a great hockey city. Um, yeah, 
I just I just wish there was a USHL team there because that'd be the closest one to Would us. Would be. And they, so you could go watch that's them That's where we got, you know, a lot of those guys, where we saw a lot of those guys when they're playing in the USHL. I've, funny you say that. I've talked about recruiting. I, I know we're a little bit off the rails here, but I was I saw Kenny Janander at a high school game. I don't remember where. No, it was a USHL game in, in Fargo. And, you know, he lives up here still, lives in Greenway or near Greenway or whatever. And uh, he drives all over the place. I'm like, for you guys, your staff, to get to a USHL game, it is a lot of miles. Fargo's the closest. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not an easy drive. No, and it used to be a lot better when you had the Balkans and you right. had Thunder Bay. And, um, but you know what? It's part it's of the job, right? It's what you do. It no, is it's what you do. Part of the job. <laughs> part of the job. All right. Uh, so we go there. And then the 2000 uh, National Championship. This is also the same year you get hired here. Um, and you knew maybe that job was opening up, right? So yeah, how do you coach and uh, campaign for a job all at the same no, time? I, was, I already had the job. Oh, actually. you did? Yeah. So I went through that process at the end. Uh, so I knew I was getting the job. When did they, they, did they announce it that no, year? No, they, they, oh, okay. they waited. They just, you know. So you just had your butt in the lip for a, a certain amount of all weeks? The guys, all the guys knew, right? Okay. But, you know, but it was a great way to go out, obviously. Um, I got a little heat yeah. uh, with a couple of the guys uh, that said, I know one of them, I'm not going to mention names. But yeah. He, said, he goes, enjoy this because you're never going to see another one, right? <laughs> but he was the first guy to call me in 2011. Really? He wanted Duluth. So, but it was all fun, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, just uh, it was in Providence, and I, it was just a great way to go out and, you know, uh, be a part of. Yeah, all right. Um, okay, so you get the job. We talked about the coaches already, the coaching fraternity that you joined with that, that group in the WCHA, seven wins. Um, what was – you said you the plan, right? Uh, we had the plan. What was that plan? And when you look back now 23 years or 22 years – has the plan changed? Not a lot. Not a lot. That's the answer I expected. You know, you know, again, like, you know, I'm coming from a program that, you know, has won 28, 30 games, a couple championships. I know how we played there. Um, I wanted to bring a lot of that same thing here with maybe a little bit different. You know, I was yeah. more of a – Dean was an offensive guy. I was a defensive guy. So right. it's probably no secret that our teams here at Duluth have been pretty good defensively. Right. And maybe not as offensive, but you know, again, that's to to pick the year, right? You know, I mean, again, you got to coach, you know, what you have, and you kind of see what you have, and you don't know from year to year. Like you can say you're not going to be a high-scoring team, but you could be, right? Right. You know, it's such a fine line, but no, no, really, nothing, not a lot. You know, I think the same values, you know, the same values of you know the team and, and the hard work and you know pushing each other and you know the expectation since day one when I got here. 22 years ago was expect to win. I think kids have to have an expectation to win. Every yeah. time you step on the ice. doesn't mean you're going to. But I think when I got here, there was doubt, right? Right. And I think anytime there's doubt, you're in trouble. And that kind of goes back to that little, have a little chip. Yeah. But you got to expect to win. You got to expect that your teammates are going to do everything they need to do as well to win. But I don't think we play any any different. You know. Do you think it helps um, being uh, the big dog here on campus? I mean, where a kid can come to UMD and he's got a, a rink, you know, near campus. 
He's got everything is dedicated to him. There aren't, like, let's compare it to the University of Minnesota, where there's a lot of distractions at the University of Minnesota with Big Ten basketball, Big Ten football, all the other things that are going on on a big, huge campus like that, where here the advantage, I would think, is to be, hey, come here and we'll make you into a professional hockey player of some sort or a professional person right. of some sort, whether, yeah, whether it's hockey or not hockey. It's a great question. You know, again, like, um, you know, everybody's looking for something different, right? Um the one thing, like, there's a lot of great programs, right? It's, it's kind of that, how they fit. But we, I think when you look at the different schools, you kind of find how guys recruit, <laughs> you know, kind right. of which players. And, oh yeah. And obviously for us, you know, having the northern kids, the best northern kids in our program is really important to this program. And we've been fortunate. We're we're not going to get all of them, but most. You know, but it's, I hear it from so many people, but they've also been really good players for us. Um, but you need that diversity and you want to go around and you want to find different players from, you know, go to Minneapolis, we find the right guys who want to come here, right? And uh, But it doesn't matter where they come from, but I think it's good to have a good mix of players. But I do think there are advantages being a little smaller school, you know, being maybe, um, I won't, the interesting, the interesting thing I've heard through recruiting is, and it's not maybe from the Minnesota kids because a lot of people have been to Duluth, right? Right. But when you bring kids from yeah. Canada or maybe out east that have never been to Duluth, it's like, whoa, I didn't know it was like this, right? So it's it's a it's a place that's uh, I think got a lot of a lot of advantages, um, but some some kids are just looking for other. You know, it depends what kids are looking for. It I really mean, does, Tony. Like. It never hit me till I asked the question that the NCHC schools, except Miami of Ohio, all have that similar feel. You know what I mean? They're all smaller. Mostly, it's the divi- only Division One men's school program in in the school. I mean, like Denver's got a lacrosse program, but you know, hockey's the program there. Hockey's the program That's why at the CC. You know what I mean? It's a big part of beautiful design for your league. And, you know, we could just probably spend an entire podcast on how great your league is. I think it's, is it eight out of the last nine or seven out of the last eight or something like that? National championships have come from the league. It's five of the last eight. Five of the last eight. I knew it was a, it's a gaudy number. We let UMass get one. Yeah. (laughs) Just like that. Yeah, that was a good squad. That was a good squad. All right. um, So, you know, I made a mistake by uh, on your intro there. I said you had two Hobie Baker Awards winners. Uh, it's actually three. I apologize for that. I, scout, gonna, I, I wasn't going to change you on that. But yeah, I know. I would have. <laughs> I caught it, you know, because I actually texted him this week, and uh, he gave me some dirt on you. He's got some good stuff on you. and uh, well, I'm going to give Junior. Junior was part. Yeah. I coached him. Glenn and Zerdy and that staff recruited, recruited him. So I'm going to give Glennie part of that crew. Credit there. Credit. All I right. Just, I just got to coach him. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then you had a local kid, right? Jack Connolly in 2012. 12. And he was, was it the year before you won or the year after? Okay, so 12. It was the year after. That, that guy right there, I mean, that's the one where he just he's the, he epitomized yep. everything who what you were recruiting and trying to develop. Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment. He is a bulldog through and through. Um, and he... The interesting thing when he was playing at Marshall and he and Kid was helping coach Brendan Flaherty. Yeah. He called me and said, Hey, we got a player here that 
reminds me of somebody. I go Tony Herkus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but anyway, we were very fortunate to get Jack. He's been awesome. Um, he had an unbelievable career. And the year he won the Hobie, um, you know, he lost some pretty good line mates, right? Right. And he still had a better year point wise. And that's what he meant to our team. Like, and he was captain and our leading scorer and, and just a, a phenomenal player with, uh, with whoever he was playing with. Um, and then lastly, uh, Scotty Prunovich, uh, he's a kid that, um, his last year, I still love this story. His last year at, at Cedar Rapids, they were playing him at forward. Did you yeah. ever, did you like kind of get a little, we, we were a little freaked out about that or we just, just got to get him here. We got to get him here. Well, the plan was always to get him here. Right. Um, Faster. You know but- there was things getting thrown in his head that maybe he's not ready and he should be a forward. And, um, you know, again, we won't get into that, but, right. uh, nope, just had the conversation. You're coming. You know, I just had to make sure he had that confidence in himself that he, cause that was the plan all along. But, you know, again, you go there and the interesting thing, the two games I saw him play, he played D. Um, obviously it was a tough year for, for Cedar that yeah. year because they had a lot of young players and, but the two games, I think he had a goal and assist. I thought he played great. And at the end of the year, you know, they used him a little bit at forward and stuff. So I think he started to have a little little bit of doubt. So we just had to say, no, you're coming in. And I got to go back to that. There was a – I want to talk about him a little bit. But there's – when you saw him – he's Ryan's age, right? So you've seen him play forever. Um did you think you look at, looking at his body because he was tiny? I mean, I remember I interviewed him when it was like his junior year. He was about a buck thirty. You know, did you think at any time that that did were you ever worried that that he might not be big enough to play at that level at this level? No, no. It's okay. just the, the the brain he had and the uniqueness he had, the talent. <laughs> you know what? That was the most important thing. Yeah, I, I don't think, and I know he was the same class as Casey Middlestat. You know, they were about the same age, same birth year, the same everything. Uh, I just remember thinking to myself, this kid has got some, he's, he's like eyeballs in the back of his head kind of skill and, and great hands too. He's great hands, but his vision was different than anything I'd ever seen. Scary. He's got elite vision. <laughs> he's got just, he's just an elite player, right? And and again, like those those don't come around very often, you know, and it was just fun to see him every day, too, uh, not just in high school games or junior games. It was fun to be around him every day and and help him grow a little bit, too, right? But, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, you look at what he did here, and obviously he's had some injuries, too, that maybe have hampered him a little bit, but uh, hopefully he can uh, be, be a full-time guy that we can watch uh, play this winter. I think he'll get there. Okay, so you and I both saw it when he was – younger that he had that potential um why do you think usa hockey types never saw that i mean remember, i think it was the year he played world juniors that was either the 17 it was the fall of 17 i think it was yeah it been the fall of 17 buffalo, buffalo right yeah. um he blows up that fall right i mean like literally usa hockey had to take him he was by far one of the best defensemen in college hockey and bob and bob was coaching so that helped cuz we played against you know yes. so bob was that fall, a big, a big up ad, here right a big yes so yeah 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 so uh why do you think it took that so long for him to kind of just 
And he didn't get drafted. Remember, he didn't get drafted? No, he didn't. Him, then and, Cole, he, him and Cole Kepke both went through and then got drafted. Second year. year. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like, again, you know, those things happen sometimes. Like, whether it's a, a summer evaluation camp, guys aren't there. Yeah. Um, it's happened before. <laughs> I mean, I, I can go back to 05 when Bobby Ryan wasn't at our camp. Right. And I'm like, how is this guy not? Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, it happens. Um, yeah. I think they've. They're doing a much better job now of getting the right people, but it didn't matter. You know, again, um, I was I was just happy for him that he started so well with us and and, and did get that opportunity to go there because there was a he got to go with and Dylan Sandberg was there yep. as well. We had quite a few guys actually, but um, right, you know, it was good for him and I think it helped him obviously probably the next year and. Big time. Open some eyes. And, Big time, yeah. And get on some radars. And yeah, I just remember they were, I went to the, you know, how the Elite League would play against, the All-Star Elite League would play against the National Development Program over at New Hope. And I remember him being by far the best player on the ice with all these other, you know, 99s that were really good. I was like, am I missing something here that this kid is so much better than everybody else? I walked out and I go, and someone says, well, you're totally biased. You're so biased on Perunovic. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm, just crazy here that I must be missing something. He just seemed like he was always a step ahead. You you weren't missing anything, Tony. No, yeah, and, and you know I think when you played in high school, you know you had a couple of players that understood him. Um, and I know even in the elite league, um, you know it's interesting because he's thinking ahead, and some guys are maybe a little behind. And right, you know, even at our level, and just the, just the the mentality and, and and just the all I think all the great players have that right. Right, they're, they're a play ahead. They're half a play ahead. Doesn't matter, and hopefully, you know your teammates get used to that. Right. Uh, okay. So let's go through some of these NCAA titles. C- continue that list. The first one has to be the sweetest, right? By far. Yeah, it's got to be the sweetest. Anytime it's the first, <laughs> first in the his school history, but and just where it was too, yeah. right? and who it was against, right? You know, little Duluth against Michigan. And, yeah. Uh, it wasn't an easy road no. to get there, but um, just to just to be able to do it in St. Paul, basically in front of a lot of UMD fans for the first time, I think it couldn't have got better than that for everybody. Yeah, uh, somewhere in one of these bios, I read that the you know the Gophers won there at Excel too. It's like every yep. three times it's been in that building, it's been all Minnesota teams winning. It's pretty cool. So then the next time, uh, 17-18, you're back there. I think that was you against the Big Ten, wasn't it? Was it Notre uh, Dame, Ohio State? It was in Chicago. Oh, no, no Chicago. Was, we were in Chicago. Chicago, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, the one we, that's Denver's win. Denver's win, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was that was a really good team. Yeah. And, and you know what? We had we had a good team. Denver was a good team. It was a great final. We yeah. We could have had about another five more minutes. Minutes, and, yeah. But, uh, but then the next year was uh, the turnover. We lost all the follows, the Pionks. And yeah. Johnsons, and next thing you know, we're, uh, we're bringing in five freshman D. And that was the year that we, we struggled and then got in. Got better. Got in by point zero 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 one or something uh, like that. Well, the guys put it on the ring, so it's okay. But, um, <laughs> but just pretty, again, much like probably – you know, the 97 one at North Dakota, maybe not expected, right? Right. Just got some new faces, and um, so a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. That one, and, but. That was pretty cool. Um, 
one more game, um, just a, a weird one here. Um, the 2021 NCHC four overtimer. What is your that game went on? I did an entire <laughs> high school hockey podcast, and I still saw the final period of that game. It was a marathon for yeah. sure. Um, you're not doing a lot of coaching at that time. I'll be honest. No, with you. you know, you're just trying to not say the wrong things, trying to encourage guys. Uh, but I'll tell you, our leaders were great. The Kobe Ross, Tanner Ladder was the guy. The leadership on that group, just to go in between overtimes. You know, guys are feet are up. They're trying to get food or drink or whatever, and and just the right things were being said. You know, right. It wasn't. I, I'd walk in. And, Kind of laugh. I actually, what can you say? About him, like, well, well, we're still going, and then rest up, you know. And then next thing you know, you're out there. And was there any, other than a, a trophy, you know, it's a nice trophy and everything. But is there anything really on the line in that at that point? Well, they didn't even give us a hat. You know, the regional regional <laughs> finals, you're supposed to get a hat. We didn't yep. get a hat, so the guys are bummed out about that. But but just uh, I just remember uh, at the end. Um, I think how much respect we had for each, for each other, other, right? And there was no losers in that game because that was it's going to go one way or the other. But uh, I think most people can't tell you one; they just remember what it was a long, exciting game. Yeah, it was a good it was a good game, and you know they came back, and then we had the chance. Well, the one disallowed right yes. away in the first one, and I still remember Jake Sanderson going up the ice every time, going, "I don't know how this guy looks so fresh, but he's probably going to end it." And you know what? He was good, and yeah, I'm sure Wyatt Kaiser looked the same. But it was just it was just a it's not because we won. It was just a, a real cool game to be a part of because it was history. And you know, fourth liner scores the goal. Fourth liner. Yeah, that's what makes. That's all I remember about that game. Four overtime scored by the fourth liner. Yeah, and probably. Well, it was. It was at that point where they started to get in a little bit more, and we discussed. We're like, whatever happens, we everyone's everyone's got to play. Probably probably should have played them earlier. Earlier, but uh, you're competitive too. Like right? you want to win, and things were kind of. Kind of go how the game's going too, right? Yeah. You know, but some of the guys started to come off, and they were they're not moving well. So we gotta. But I started plugging some guys in, maybe not the whole line, but that we made the decision in that kind of overtime. Right. They're playing. And, right. And Luke scored a big goal. All right, we're winding down here. I appreciate all the time you've given me here. Um, I got some fun questions for you here. Um, uh, some fun, maybe embarrass you a little bit. So your playoff record is in the seven hundreds, right? Um. So, uh, like second to Herb Brooks and some other guy I never heard of. Sorry, can't remember his name. But that's a pretty, uh, pretty cool accolade. I mean, you got a lot of cool accolades. But I thought the the seven hundred winning percentage in the playoffs, uh, without giving you any trade secrets, what is the what do you think might be? It's not luck. Um, what type is it? Is it a preparation? Is it you know what 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 gets that playoff dubs? What are, what is what is that might be the secret? Uh, well, there's a lot of things you play for during the season, right? Um, you hope as, as your team goes, there's always going to be ups and downs. You hope there's less downs, more ups. Right. Um, you just try and build through the year. And, and like, again, there's conference championships, which, you know, the regular season is always the hardest to win, right? You know, believe you said, when I believe, and you might correct, and if anybody knows, it's you. I, when I did my research, I don't see a first in your records. A lot in the, of seconds. Third. A lot of seconds, some fourths, but no firsts. No, but that's the a lot hardest. of conference, a lot yeah. of tournament titles, yeah. but not regular seasons. So that's the hardest to win. We all know that. 
right? Because um, you're playing 24, it used to be 28, or whatever games right. against great teams. And no night off. Of, but at the end of the at the end of the day, you want to be one of the 16 teams playing. Right. You get so the... you still got to win the right games. You know, you still got to be good in your conference. Uh, if you if you win. I mean, that's certainly something that's a goal every year. Um, there's steps, but we want to be one of the 16 teams. And fortunately, we had teams that, you know, last five, seven years have gone through, maybe 10 years have gone through that and experienced how difficult it is to get to the tournament yep. and, and kind of what you need to do that I think that that helps, that's helped our group. Like, understand that, you know, you don't have to play great all year just have to play well enough during the year to get to this point then you need to play great and I think this year was a great example a little bit right. of that with our, our playoff series against St. Cloud because we were we couldn't win you know we were we were maybe Friday couldn't win two just couldn't get consistency and and then we played you know St. Cloud in their building and and they were obviously a great team yeah you know we managed to win two there and just play better and better and better and then obviously we lost to Denver but um, I don't really have we just try and build we, we try and focus on I think some of the things that um, probably everybody does but just maybe maybe it's in a different way I don't know but we've also had guys that have lived winning and also losing and also experiencing all that and I think that's the experience that, that those guys have had has has been critical to our success playoffs how much do you study paralyzed during the season not very much not seriously very much. not very much well you can't get away from it right. you know i mean like <laughs> not study it but like do you, do you take a peek at paralyzed on a sunday morning uh, yes yeah i okay. will i will um but, you I, got but, it, I, don't but, I, but i've said this all along just you, you have to win games you know what you can get so caught up in in everything and some guys i know i know there's a few guys that i know that know this pretty well um I don't set up schedules based on it, like because you don't know. But I just, yeah. I just win your games, you know. Yeah, it's and, a distraction and, you know, in and, some ways. And if because if you don't win your games, or whether it's non-conference or enough games, you're not going to be in there, and, and so you have one choice, and that's to win your playoff championship. Yeah. Right? So there's only two options, right? Yeah. If you do enough during the year to to, to put yourself in a good spot, there's still those options. But if you don't. And that's going to happen. Uh, you still have a chance. You still have a chance to, to be one of those teams. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you have two kids, uh, both play hockey. Do you, When you watch them play, do you see any of the way you played in either of them? Katie plays defense. You played defense. I tried to make Ryan a defense. So that's <laughs> Didn't a, work, right? Yeah, well, that's another uh, podcast, right? Um, a little bit. I think a little bit. I think uh, they're both competitive. Um, Brian's super, you know, <laughs> he's a very competitive kid, but yeah, I, I mean, I know people have said, yeah, he kind of skates like you or yeah, I did. And I go, I don't know if that's good or bad, but right. no, no, he's, he's, he's built the same way. Like yeah. He's thick. Um, well, I'm just really proud of the, the, you know, the job he's done there. And obviously he's going back to, to try and, you know, take one more step because they've gotten closer and closer and closer. And, closer and, uh, yeah. You know, they're going to have a great team again and he's enjoyed his time there and hopefully he's going to be playing beyond there at some point and, you know, maybe I'll get to watch some of that because I don't get to see too many games. Speaking of him, 
I see I've had limited contact with Ryan, but everything has been super positive. But do you see him uh not necessarily I wouldn't say division one, it could be anywhere, but do you see him coaching someday? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I think he's got a little bit of that type of mentality and that's again, when you're around it since you've been a kid, um that's probably Again, it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Right? Exactly. No, but he's he's a, he's a real bright. I enjoy watching games with him too. Like, well, you know, just to really? his take on on certain things, whether it's pro hockey or whatever. And he's pretty observant. So, uh, Katie, I think she's pretty. I think she's a pretty intelligent girl. Like, she's gone through a couple injuries, and yeah, you know what? But uh, again, she's finally had a normal summer. But you know, I'm excited to see where she goes. She's got a chance. You know, she's she definitely I'm not does. Saying, uh, All tournament team. A couple and, years ago, and she's got a she's got a chance to play Division One, and if she doesn't, uh, you know, there's a lot of great places, and yeah, um, she's a good student. So again, takes after her mother, just like <laughs> Ryan. So um, no, and she's into soccer and track and doing different things. So this is a, this has been a good summer for her. So they got a little bit of both both of those guys, a little bit of you and you. Um, the not reason the, I not the track part. Don't not the track. No. <laughs> there was no way. Uh, tough to tough to see me running. All right. Uh, here's a good Ryan story for you. I met him. I did a player of the year interview with them, and we were just chatting afterwards for what was going to be about 10, 20 minutes, turning into an hour. Just a nice kid, and he and uh, he was telling me about Hermantown's up and coming players, and I'm like, how do you know? Like you're a senior, why would you care about these guys? And he goes, well, I actually watched the Squirtacular Championships this year. I'm like, wait, you're a senior and you're watching the Squirts play? He goes, oh, for sure I am. I mean, this that told me a lot about who the kid was. Is he was not too good to to watch the Hermantown Squirts play in a championship game? Big tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, okay. Let's see. Ah, here we go. After a sweep, what do you do to pump up the boys after they get a sweep? There's something you do. We need to know what it is. Really? What happens in the locker room stays in the locker room, huh? All right. Well, we'll go back to the drawing board here. Really super, but it just started way back, and (laughs) I don't know what this Scotty Pernich gave me that one. All right. Well, it's what something to do with. Music, right? Okay. Well, maybe that's the next question here. What is your go-to karaoke song after an NCAA win? Drift away. Drift away. Away. All right. I did get. I got one of you on that one. All right. I did Uh, it after we lost in Denver. That was first time. Okay. Because Dominic Toninato said you're coming up here to sing a song, or I'll pick one for you. So I picked one. So that's the one that stuck. Got it. All right. Um, the I talked a little bit about Derek said you were the drill master. You had all these drills in your head. He's like, I, he goes, I love coaching with Scott because I didn't have the pressure of the practice plan because he had it 90% of the time. Where did that come from? And, and how did you, how do you become the drill master? And where did that, where did it evolve from? I don't know. I just, I've always liked drills. You know, I think we all like drills. Yeah. I always like getting new stuff. So it doesn't, um, so you just, you just, yeah, you just, you know, you develop a, a book on it. And, but as far as the practice stuff, there's A, B, C every day. Like there's plan A, plan B, plan C, because if plan A is not going well, you got to move on. <laughs> so, so that's do kind have, of how it is. Do you have drills that uh, might uh, work on a weakness of the team or something that maybe transpired from the previous weekend? Sure. Okay. 
All right. All right. Um, all right. Here's some fun stuff. Uh, the one player you coached, whether it's head coach, assistant coach, uh, who totally overachieved your expectations. You know, like he, he got him like, eh, he might be a he might be a third, fourth liner and then ended up being one of your top scorers or someone. Oh, God. Who gave you these questions? That, that one's mine. That, I came up with that one myself. Well, I think one of – I want, I don't want to say overachieved, but one of the guys that became a great leader for me when I first started and kind of walked on here, Jay Hardwick. No way. Jay came on, walked on. I kept him. He became a, a captain. Did you have to try out for the team that first oh, year? Oh, yeah. We had like a three-day tryout. I heard about that. Yeah, so, but just, I don't want to show over to you. He was just, a, no, he was a warrior. Like, he was just a, yeah. a really good teammate, great leader. Um, so, I'm going to go back to that first year and just pick out Hardo for just sticking with it and being a, you know, eventual captain on our team. Yeah, now you you had Kobe, and now you're going to get Jason. You can't probably comment on that player until he signs, correct? But you're going to get other future mm-hmm. kids from him. Um, all right, uh, favorite player you ever coached? Not going to get into that one. Come on. I've right. a lot of them. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. You would offend somebody. Sorry. I, I threw that one at the last second. Now, this is the last one because um, you're getting a little long in the tooth. You're now one of the – you know, senior coaches in the, the ranks, what, what advice would you give to a younger coach, whether it be a, a, a Pat Anders type, a younger coach who's c- going up, or whether it's someone in the, uh, in the, in the college coaching community? What, what kind of advice would you give those guys? As a head coach? Yeah. Or just in yeah. coaching in general? Coaching in general. Um, you know what? You really got to – if you get into coaching, you really got to enjoy what you're doing. Right, like yeah, I mean, you gotta love. I think that's the funnest part for me. It's like the hockey is the hockey, but it's just the challenges every year, right? And being being who we are, and like not trying to change. I think the biggest thing you can do is is be f- someone you're not. Don't be fake. Just be who you are. People are gonna like it or they're not. Like, uh, and I think that's I I worry about people trying to conform to others and. We're in a crazy world. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not like it used to be, right? You got social media, you got a lot of critics, you got a lot of opinions, and, and you just got to, you know, it took me a while to develop thick skin, and not, I'm not talking about weight. I'm just right. talking about, you know, it, it does. And, and and then, you know what? Just stay to, just stay with your values and your principles and work. Um, love the kids. Care about the kids. I think that's the biggest thing, right? And understand, like, as a coach, this is not about you. This is about your players. It's That's about your players. And you know what? That's what you coach for because you want to see them get better. You want to see them succeed, right? And the byproduct of that is we can all enjoy it. So I think that's a big thing for me. Hey, I appreciate the time today. I had a lot of fun. We yeah, we, awesome. we bounced all over the place, but I think we, we got to the end, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, John. Scott Sandlin, uh, UMD head coach.